0: listening to the sociable scribes two professional writers who work hard play hard and love to have fun on the job word stylist
1: Nikita ral stevens and publishing consultant kim ely talk about the topics and questions they hear most often from their clients let's talk about writing the good the bad and the awesome while addressing popular questions and concerns from real writers like you if you're a writer, someone who aspires to write, or just wants to learn more about
0: writing and publishing, and have a lot of fun along the way, welcome to the tribe. Here are your hosts, Nikita and Kim, two writers who love to socialize, the sociable scribes. Hi, Nikita. What is going on? <laughs> you ready to you start? behind my curtain. <laughs> yes! What's behind your curtain
1: this week? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, that. Um, well, I'm so glad you asked yes. him. I am in the process of working on some new things for my Find Your Muse program. Cool. So, so excited about that. I, you know, you know how you have ideas and things come to you, and you and you build things in your business, and it kind of explodes into something bigger. Yeah, that is what has really happened with Find Your Muse. Is it has grown into several iterations, and so I'm taking a step back. You know, I started out growing the accelerator program because, I, as you know, um, I ghostwrite for clients, and I really saw the accelerator is a stopgap for people that couldn't afford to hire a ghostwriter, but really want, you know, they really have an aggressive goal to get a book out right. and that's still the plan. So the accelerator is still a live program for me, but I realized there's another group of people that need to be addressed because remember we did a presentation a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. um, with, with our group fab and we, you know, looked up a stat that said eight out of 10 people want to write a book, which yes. is crazy, yes. you know? And, um, And being in our industry, we see that stat every day because every time we mention something about book writing, Uh I feel like everybody says, I want to write a book, I want to write a book, but they're not in that mindset or state to move forward on that goal. So I'm actually creating in the process, and the goal is to have this out by the spring, Uh I am, Find Your Muse is launching an incubator program, which is designed, yes, so the incubator program is designed for those people that are like, I want to write a book, but they don't know where to start. And so it works on that mindset piece to develop them into the person that they need to be to create that masterpiece that they want. Oh, so I'm I really that. excited about that. That
0: is yeah. really exciting. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's awesome because we talked about it before um, on uh, previous episodes about people don't know where to start and to have it having having that I I love the incubator to to sort of help nurture them and help them figure out this is exactly what I want to do because oh that's fantastic yay thank
1: you thank you what's behind your curtain Kim what you got going
0: on oh my gosh so I've been so fortunate to have um, some amazing clients who are signing up to work with me and I'm really I think I was I was really thinking about how incredible it is. And and sometimes it's incredibly sensitive to the types of topics that I get to help my clients um, create. So I'm working with a lady right now who's um, writing an incredible book about um, her child who um, is transgender. And she, uh, it's 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 poignant it's heartbreaking in some places it's hilarious in some places it's it's and it's just incredible i i'm i'm impressed with um her bravery and her courage um mm-hmm. i'm also super excited because um i'm gonna be working with um paris robinson do you know paris Mm-mm. paris paris Oh, my gosh. He is a phenomenal speaker in Richmond. He's got an incredible story. He um, did everything wrong. Um, He ran around with the wrong crowd. He was trying to, um, you know, impress other people. Um, In in short, this is very short, um, he ended up um, getting shot in the chest four times and oh, wow. he survived it, but he was for a while a, um, a, a quadriplegic. He, he couldn't move anything but his head. And his wow. story, I heard him speak. I, I've heard him. I've had the privilege to hear him speak a couple of times. His story is so raw and so inspiring. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And to... to I feel like <clears throat> I'm so privileged to be able to help him bring his story to life that I'm just like, yeah, oh, my God. I'm just like, oh, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. That is amazing. So, yeah. Awesome. Very cool. All right. Well, let's take a break, and we'll, we'll come right back with our topic for this week.
1: Yeah. Yes. excited to talk about this week's topic. Me too. I think it's it's a very important topic um, that if anyone who's writing a book needs to know, and we're going to be talking about identifying your audience. Who is it that you're writing for? I'm so excited about this because you've got to have an audience if you're writing a book. Otherwise, it's just you. Exactly. (laughs) Nobody wants to hear crickets in the background. No, uh-uh,
0: that's not a good sound. So, um, yeah, I I can't remember if I read this as a quote or what, but a book or, or writing really is like a, a conversation, and the writer is writing to someone. Maybe it's a delayed conversation <laughs> because <laughs> the writer puts their message on paper, and then the reader picks it up and receives the message later, but it, it, it is conversation. You can't have a one-sided conversation. <laughs> you,
1: can't, you can't. Absolutely. And I guess, you know, there there are many methods that you can go about in identifying your audience. And one of my favorite interviews that we've done recently, which um, I'm really excited about you guys being able to hear from her, one of my favorite authors, Sky Warren, talks a little bit. <laughs> She's amazing She's so but awesome. i you know I distinctly remember doing i'm not going to spoil everything because I want you guys to hear the the interview because it was amazing, but one of the things I do remember her telling us is that she, a lot of times and on more than one occasion she would write a book with an intention that this is who she was trying to reach right and it reached and it had a completely different outcome, a good outcome actually yeah, yeah. and so sometimes. From what I gathered from her, sometimes you can't predict the people that you're going to impact and that you're going to gain, that you're going to bring into your audience when you write a book. So it can be a bit of an organic process. Mm -hmm. And I think, let me just change that phrase. It is an organic process. Yeah. I think it's not, there's nothing rigid about building your audience. It doesn't have to fit into this tight little box that this is exactly the people that I want to reach. (laughs) And I'm going to stay right here. Like that's not, that's not it. Right. Right. (laughs) And and I feel like she's one of the best examples of that. And I think she gave us a lot of freedom and grace on that topic because she's a very successful author Mm -hmm. with a huge Mm -hmm. following and, You know, what I gathered from her is just kind of just be flexible and be just, you know, give into the process and let it happen and let your audience tell you what they want.
0: Exactly. I think that's such a good way to put it. Um, So back to what you're talking about, I think part of it is something that we've touched on in other episodes, which is writing a book is a business. It may not feel that way, like when you're first putting pen to paper, but you do have that mindset where it's like this book is going to appeal to someone who is that going to be. Mm -hmm. I think it's wise to start off with some sort of general idea of it rather than like you were saying, I'm just writing this for me, but Mm -hmm. having the idea that you're going to want to appeal to specific reader is helpful during the writing process to to get to mm-hmm. to your point about Sky and 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 tell me your impressions because I want to know. I got the impression that she in, originally was writing for one type of reader, and then people picked up and said that they gave her feedback after she had put her book out there, mm-hmm. and then um, she listened to them and said, "Oh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna write my books." specifically to, to please you guys because you're obviously big fans of my writing. Um, was that the mm-hmm. impression that you had when we talked about yeah. it? Yeah, yeah,
1: I agree, I agree. And I think it was, it for her, it was a little bit of a surprise because yeah. she was writing <laughs> in one direction right. and she got a different response. But so like we said, a positive response that she wasn't expecting to get. Um, your readers will tell you what they want. and and so but it's up to you as an author to listen to them you know some authors um depending on what your objective and your goal is with the book that you write some authors can be a little bit haughty and saying well I'm writing this for me and I really (laughs) don't care what people want I just want to get this message out and there's nothing wrong with that if you don't want to make any money,
0: right? Exactly. Um,
1: and, and I'm sorry <laughs> if that seems a little harsh, but it's the reality, reality is, in the, in any let's let's dial this back to sales 101. Mm-hmm. It, every every product, you have to learn how to sell to a market, and you have to learn who that target market it is, and you have to um, you have to pitch accordingly. And if you don't want to play by those rules, that's fine. Right. But don't expect a certain, don't have an expectation for a certain number of output if you're going to be rigid about that. Right. Um, so so I'm not, you know, there are plenty of people who write books and say, I'm writing this book for this region. It's a cathartic thing. I really want to get this out. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. But you can't have the goal of doing that. And that being your number one priority and and also having the goal that, well, I want to sell a lot of books. You've got to give somewhere. Right. <laughs> I, <laughs> and I'm sure you've experienced that a lot, Kim, because you deal with a lot
0: of authors in your business. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, I have. So <laughs> I have a really good example of that. So I love what okay. you're saying because I think it's perfectly awesome if you want to write for yourself or knowing that they're, that you may be writing about a very niche topic or genre that only a very few people are going to like, but yeah. know that going into it that that's not going to be what's going to appeal to a ton of people. So I'll share this example of a gentleman who wrote a book, and this gentleman is a long-distance runner, and he wrote a book with the thought that he knows a lot of people in the long-distance running community, and wouldn't it be awesome if he wrote this book and he sh- he was sure that this would appeal to many people in the long distance running community? So I heard that and I'm like, oh, it's probably a nonfiction book about you know how to run a marathon or something like that. No, it was this really. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be careful with my words. It was a very <laughs> un- unusual science fiction book about some strange event that would take place at a famous marathon, and it involved aliens, and involved okay. <laughs> that's different. secret agents, and a plot to stop um, an explosion, and oh, it, it should appeal to runners because it's set at this marathon, and I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> No. No, 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 no. That's
1: not your target audience.
0: That's not your target audience and and he was like, "But I'm friends with a lot of runners." And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> but that doesn't mean what what you're looking at is you're looking at the audience of runners." Yes, but then let's look at the subset of that audience who likes science fiction and yes. You know what I mean? So, so when you consider yeah. your audience, you have to think about oh, well, it's about a runner. So runners are going to love it. No, it's. Yeah. <laughs> and so he was like, "Well, I'm just sure it's going to be a bestseller." I'm like, realistically, let's look at this. Is it going to be a bestseller, or is it a very niche audience of runners who like science fiction? <laughs> and and I'm laughing, but honestly, I'm sure there is a very excited raving fan group of runners who love this sort of science fiction. And if he knew going into that, that's who was going to buy his book. And it, that would be the appeal. I would be like, go for it. But he was like, I want to make a lot of money from this book. And I'm like, mm-hmm. then your intention is not matching up with the topic that you're offering to your audience. Makes so, sense. Yeah. So,
1: um, I wanna make a quick comment on yeah, that because yeah. it, it when you mentioned the whole best bestseller thing and I will talk about this, in this and then we can go to a quick break. Yeah. But I'm inspired by this by one of our one of our favorite podcasters out there. Hopefully maybe one day she'll listen to us and It's Kathy Heller. Great yeah, right. shout yeah, out Kathy to you. Heller. Don't keep your day job. Um we love, love you. Her, love um you. but she mentioned something that was so pivotal for me in one of her podcasts. I can't remember the, the title of the podcast, but, you know, there's this thought process as an author and we run into this all the time when you're just like what, what your your client said, I want to be a best-selling author. Well, people have set this mark where they think success as a writer means I'm going to be a best-selling author. Right. And one of the mm-hmm. things that I loved about what she said because she, you know, she has a songwriting background and she had this, she set this bar that for her to be a great songwriter, she had to like get all these accolades and this, and that, and the other. And she came to realize that, you know what? I can be successful and just stay in my lane. Mm-hmm. You don't... Being successful does not necessarily equate to being a best-selling author. If you are, that's great, right. wonderful. But a successful author doesn't necessarily have to have that title behind them. You can still make a lot of money, be a great author... And just have, define what it is that you want and go after. It. It's just a goal. It like doesn't that. have to always be. So, I, you know, I think that's a misnomer that a lot of people that are coming new into the into the writing world get, first of all, it, it's okay if that's something that you want to achieve and you want to put that on your goals. Like, I want to be it. But don't let that be a deterrent. And you think that because you don't have that title behind your name that you haven't achieved success. Exactly.
0: Um, because it will hold you back. Oh, absolutely. So awesome. Let's take a quick break and then we will uh, pick back up on that because I love that. (laughs) Yeah. About identifying your ideal audience and I really I love
1: this
0: oh my god I do too and I loved what you were saying yeah. we were talking about Kathy Heller and um the fact that you do not have to be a bestseller to be successful and yes. I think that um really gosh that really resonates with me because that's part of what you want to identify when you're identifying your Intended audience is also, you also have to identify what's your intention. Do you want to reach your absolute raving fans? The people who are like, Yes, this may be a topic and it's only for a few of us, but the few of us that you're writing for love this and we want more, and we're going to buy every book you publish because, you know, we can't wait to read more of this. Mm versus, oh, I want to, you know, sell a ton of books, so I want to reach, um, still be authentic to myself, but include as many people to the party, the reading party, (laughs) as I possibly can, because I want to cast my net in a way that I will um, make it enjoyable for everyone who's reading it, but also be able to make some income for myself.
1: and. my my thought process on that just in you know research I've done um on yeah. this process and other people um in the industry that have have you know gone both ways yeah is if you are if you have a goal to be a career author i think I think which one of those paths you take has a is different depending on whether or not you have a goal to be a career author versus a goal to write a book or two. Um, and, and that's, you know, your goal. I think if you have the goal to just write one or two books, casting that wide net makes a lot more sense. Right. I think if you have a goal to be a career author, Mm -hmm. I think it makes a lot more sense to be, have that more narrow focus because as a career author, I would rather have a thousand rating fans than just, you know, 10,000 fickle fans, even though, because yeah, will that yield money. Yeah, but it won't be consistent.
0: Right. I want to know
1: that every time I put out a book, I want to know that those people that are going to just hop on it and be like, "Oh, Nikita's got a book out! I'm getting it! I'm getting it! I'm getting it!" Right. That's what you're trying to build when you're building when you're building an audience and you're building a career as an author. And there's a distinct difference between those two. Um, If you're building an audience and you're building a career, and you do that cast wide net, Mm -hmm. what you're doing for your you're creating a lot of work for yourself. Right, You're going to have to have that wide net over and over and over again because you're not identifying those your peaks, your it, tribe.
0: Exactly. And, and I think that brings us to a, a, a really good point, which is sometimes um, I'll hear writers um, and we'll talk about, well, who are you writing for? And they're like, oh, I want everyone to enjoy my book and 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 I kind of get that uh, from the outside because it's like oh well yeah of course you know we we do but but if you if you're if you're casting your net too wide if you're not saying specifically these are the people who are really going to enjoy my book you're you're Mm -hmm. you're not going to attract the people you want like like Um, say you've written a children's book and you're like, oh, well, I just want everyone to love it. (laughs) Well, (laughs) when when you're describing the book, uh, how are you going to describe it? It's like the book that everyone, no matter what walk of life (laughs) you are, will love this book. It's like, no, and there's nothing wrong with saying this is a book that's aimed at kids who are between ages three and six and blah, 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 because that will not only let your readers know, oh, oh my gosh, my niece is that age. I want to buy her that book. Or also, yeah. it informs a lot of your decisions about what kind of book cover you're going to do. If,
1: if yep. you're doing. It. Absolutely. You know
0: what I mean? It, it I- the- blinding glimpse of the obvious, your um, uh, romantic novel cover is going to look different, hopefully, than your children's book cover. I'm just saying. I hope so. One would hope. <laughs> that would be weird. But you know what I mean. Or, or you know, <laughs> it, it informs your decision, not because you want to, you're, you're not identifying your ideal audience member or, or, or reader because you want to exclude anybody else. Yeah. The way I feel like it is, is it, it kind of helps. Um, it It's kind of like, <laughs> this isn't the best, but kind of like a movie trailer or like a, a rating on a movie. Um, if you know ahead of time what the movie is going to be about, you're going to be either super excited or you're going to be like, meh. You want to have that <laughs> distinction for your book so that the people who are going to be excited about it are going to be like, Hot dang. Did you see Sky Warren has a new book? And I can't wait to read it. Oh, whoops. I started banging the table. <laughs> wow. I got a little excited there about Sky Warren. But, um, <laughs> but that's what you want, raving fans.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. So, exactly.
0: Yeah. So so in exactly. identifying your ideal um, reader, um, I'm curious to know. So, Nikita, um, you are coming out with your series of rom-com books.
1: Yay! Yes, yes, so, I'm so excited.
0: Tell us a little bit about your thought process, if, if you don't mind, what, what you've been thinking about as you've been writing your book and your intended audience.
1: Okay. Um, well, I started out doing a great deal of research, and it's funny because you don't think, as a writer, that you have to do research, um, but, you do. yes, you do. <laughs> um, and, um, and I touched on this. I actually found it quite fascinating and quite fun um, because what you want to do, um, and for me it was important because I'm going. You know, I've, yeah, I've written one book um, and that was in a totally different genre, right. um, and this is a different genre, and I want to make sure um, that that I'm speaking to the right audience. And right. so the best way to kind of identify and get a feel for what people are responding to and what they like is to look at what's already out there. Right. Um, so my first recommendation to you is um, to read other authors that are putting out books that are similar to what you're doing. Yes. Um, and um, and so um, I you know just I went onto Amazon and I searched books that I thought had similar had a similar, that fell into that rom-com, chick lit um, um, category. And I, if you look in Amazon, tell me. let me know when we need to go to a break because this is probably going to spill oh. over to our li- li- next segment.
0: Oh, okay. Do we're, I need to stop? Oh, no, actually, we're good right now. So keep on okay. keeping
1: on. <laughs> I'll keep on keeping on. So um, if, you would, if you look up in Amazon um, and you pull up an author, This is really cool, Um, and this is something I've learned from from one of my friends um, who is is a a romance author that I'm hoping to have on the show very soon, Lisa Vino. She is amazing. Um, And um, is that you can go on um, Amazon, Mm -hmm. and you can pull up a book, and you can scroll down and see the stats on that book, and it will tell you Where the Amazon rankings are in the different categories, and you can also see whether or not that's a it is a self-published author um, based on whether it says um, usually it says Amazon Services or something like that. But you can tell whether they're self-published or whether they've been put out by a publishing um, a a publisher, a larger publisher, and that that tells you a lot because what I did is I specifically looked for authors that were self-published authors. And I wanna see how well they're doing in each category and um, and I I, I kinda of handpicked certain ones and I did if you do a search uh-huh. like, so like say you do search rom com ticklet whatever search you wanna do, those books that come up in that first couple pages are your top ranked books anyway. Gotcha. So you wanna see based on this search what are the who's selling the most books nice. and why. And so you see, even if the book the first book that comes up is not a book that I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I'd be that interested in, I wanna see who's the top seller in the in, in the category I'm trying to sell in. Right. So whether you want to or not, guys, you're going to have to pick up and read and, and <laughs> let me tell you this, it doesn't mean you're gonna have to read some bad books. I've read some bad books. <laughs> you know. But <laughs> but it also for me as because of the category that I'm going into, because I tend to go against the grain and you know this kim i I never have fit exactly into one category. I'm always in the middle somewhere yeah um, mm-hmm. what I have learned is but the category that I am going into is really to a certain degree I'm kind of paving my own path yeah. because I'm learning what I have learned is there is a I'm learning that there's something missing in the rom- like the rom-coms that I've picked up, uh-huh. the chick lit books that I've picked up and I've read uh-huh. have the humor but they don't have the heat. Ooh, nice. And so what I bring in my book is a combination of both. And I feel like that's going to um it's going to bring a different audience. It's going to it's basically going to bring me a rom-com, and a romance audience because mm-hmm. the romance category, because I didn't want to go exclusively romance right. because I don't want to write formulaic yeah. to romance.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so these are things you learn, but you don't know that until you do
0: that research. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, awesome. Let's take a break and then we'll pick back up okay. on that. But awesome. thanks Oh my god. I'm I'm loving this topic. I'm loving um that you were yeah. talking about the research and that you're hitting that sweet sweet spot between rom com and romance where it's like you have humor but no heat and then on the other side heat but no humor.
1: Why can't yeah. we
0: have both? And I love your writing, by the way.
1: I just you know, Thank shameless you. shameless Thank plug. You. I
0: love your writing. Okay. <laughs> So I'm so excited. It's funny.
1: It's, it's, it's my point to everyone, you know, going through this process is you don't tend to think when you're writing a book that you would need to go through this level of, of research that, hey, I'm writing a book. Why do I have to read other people's books? Well, if you have a goal, if your goal is to be a successful author, you do have to study your competitors. Right. You need to know what's out there. But it also, it is also a, a very fine tool in helping you identify who your audience is because if you're reading books that from other people that are in that same genre as you and you kind of see okay I'm well aligned with this author me and me and this author are kind of then you can see what that audience looks like and I would go so far as to even read the reviews by the books written by those authors because that's how you can really see what that audience looks like and how they think and what they're asking for, what they want. Oh, that's super smart. I love that. That's free information that's right there.
0: There we go. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's so awesome. Yay. So using that information, and I definitely think, I love that you talk about doing that research because I think that's a crucial part. Part of what you can do when you're actually in the writing process. So say you've done your your homework, you've done your research, you've been looking at the reviews, you're looking at what what your readers want. One way that you can identify more about your readers is um, something that I learned from our awesome friend, Charles George, who is a fantastic mm-hmm. book marketing guru. Yay, Charles! Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah. he talks about helping to envision who your are audience member or your reader is, and he does this a million times better than I do, but I'm going to paraphrase him. And say you I have identified, and this is just an example, but say you identify that your ideal reader is a woman between 35 and 65. Split the difference, go for, well, this isn't exactly even, but uh, say you decide, okay, I'm going to look into a demographic of women who are 45 years old. What year were those women born? What uh, you know? What experiences did they have? Nikita, you and I are both uh, Gen Xers, so we've lived to see. Um, well, you you may actually be a millennial.
1: I'm on the cusp.
0: You're on the cusp.
1: Um, yeah. Awesome. I'm, I'm, but yeah, I'm still a Gen Xer.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Very cool. So I'm a yeah. I'm a Gen Xer. So we've lived to see the the old days when everybody typed on typewriters. <laughs> <laughs> so like an old fart, and so, um, all the way up to uh you know now we're we're so hip and digital. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, you know, we've seen huge technological changes. But, the, you know, how does a Gen Xer think versus a millennial? Say your intended audience is mostly millennials, you might want to look up and see, or Gen Z, you might want to look up and see, well, what are the things that are important to the reader in that generation? Mm-hmm. All the research you can do on that person or the reader, ideal reader, and again, you know, depending on who your audience is, can help inform how you will reach out to them. An exercise that Charles does that I think is very cool is, say you can identify, say, a 45-year-old woman, and you look up and see, okay, that means she was born in the 70s. You look up, what are all the popular baby names for that particular year? Like, I happen to know that there were a ton of Kimberleys in the year I was born because, gosh knows, I think I had like always had like five or six Kims in my (laughs) year. Class growing up, but say say the name is Jennifer. You could always use if you if you wanted to. If this is helpful to you, write with this specific person Jennifer in mind. And you could even look up online and find somebody who meets that demographic, and and have a picture. You know, you can do searches on images and find a Jennifer and be like, okay, I'm writing this book for Jennifer. What would Jennifer like?
1: <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that. That's very
0: cool. Yeah, it is kind of cool, especially for those of us who are very visual. For me to say, oh, I'm writing for women uh, 35 to 65, I'm like, I don't know who that is. But if I'm like, I'm writing for Jennifer, boom, I have an idea of I'm not worried about the other people. You know, I'm going to write towards this person in a way that I feel is going to reach her.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Another another thing that's going to be helpful for you yeah. once you get to the completion of your manuscript, it, your unpolished version, I would say, uh-huh. it doesn't even have to be your polished version, right. is to um, to put together a group of beta readers. And yeah. beta readers, now you will have had to go through this process. know what your audience looks like because and and you can use your beta readers can be your friends and your family or whatever but they should be a cross section of the people that fit that audience that you you know that Jennifer you know they need to look like that 45 year old Gen Xer those are the people that you want to identify and then you want to put your manuscript in their hands and say hey can you read this manuscript for me and give me direct feedback? Because basically what you're getting is a cross-section of your audience.
0: Oh, my God, that is such a good point. I think that's awesome because you're right. You want to get all different perspectives and and having beta readers. And I do recommend having friends and family, but with the caveat that don't pick someone who is just going to be like, well, you know, Nikita, everything you write is awesome.
1: (laughs) You know exactly.
0: what I mean? I mean, exactly. you know, yeah, we love you family members, but th- those folks, you know, and you'll want to save a copy for them because they're going to be excited for you. But you want somebody who's going to give you unbiased, well, not unbiased, but but give you their real thoughts. Yeah, I like this, but why the heck did she, you know, steal the car in Chapter
1: 3 or something? <laughs> yeah. The other thing I would add to that, Kim, too, uh-huh. is you want to make sure that there are gonna be people that are gonna be committed to actually reading the manuscript oh, because you know, people people are busy and they'll be like, Oh, well I haven't gotten to it, I haven't done it or whatever. Right. And so that might mean that you if you set put together your group of beta readers, maybe you have some type of incentive or you do mm. something because uh, they need to understand if you're, if you're working, you're working on a timeline. You know, right. you're trying to publish a book. You don't have all, you don't, I'm not waiting to the end of the year for you to finish reading this book <laughs> because you're just doing it at your leisure. No, right. this is, you know, this is my business. Right. And you need to mm-hmm. set that posture with your beta group and understanding that, hey, I really would like for you to participate with me in this, proce- in this process. But I do need to know that you can finish reading this book by this time. Set the parameters for them. And if you want to reward them in some way, you can. The other caveat to that, too, is you can not hire beta readers. There yes. are people that you can pay, and they're very incentivized because they're getting paid to do it um, by getting it done at the same time.
0: Exactly. I've, I've um, helped several clients um, and actually hired beta readers for them to, to read their work. And um, it's been... Oh my gosh. We actually went out on um I think we went out on Fiverr and found um okay. several people and man I was really impressed with uh several of them wrote up like what looked like a, a very professional report where they talked about this is what works, this is what doesn't, these are my, you know, nice. candid impressions of it. Because boy, that you're going to get you know somebody who doesn't know you who is just going to focus on your work.
1: It's helpful. Exactly. And, exactly.
0: And they're deadline driven because you're paying
1: them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah. ultimately, that may be the best option if. You know, if that, that's not an option for you, if you don't have the budget or whatever, just make sure that when you're selecting the people to be your beta readers that you set the tone and let them know what your expectations are.
0: Oh, exactly. Oh, that's such a key point because, yeah, it, exactly. You, you want them to be able to give you intelligent, um, helpful feedback, but without giving, you, giving them the guidelines, they, they don't know what to expect to, to give back to you.
1: Exactly. So. Exactly.
0: Awesome. Very cool. Love this topic. Oh my God. Could talk about it all day, but we need to stop.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And now it's time for Gregarious Goofballs.
0: All right. So, Nikita, it's time for Gregarious Goofballs. Goofballs. Yay. Oh my God. I can't wait to hear yours. So, go ahead and tell us.
1: So you may have heard one of these before, because you know one of the things that has been fun about me writing the rom com, writing like you know relationship based um, stories, and, and with with this book, uh-huh. is it's it's reminded me of some of my bad choices that I've made with <laughs> <laughs> in the past. Um, so. <laughs> it, there's a few, and we'll spread it out. I won't tell. You. Um, but there's one story that comes to mind. Is I grew up in a fairly strict household as a as a teenager. So when I got to college, it was like woohoo, freedom! You know? And and I just remember. The like our first night, me and my roommate, we went out to a party. Like like the first night after I moved into my dorm, and there was just this tremendous sense of freedom I had in going out because it's like, wait a minute, I'm like, you know, I am on my own finally. And uh-huh. we went out and we danced into this club, and and I met this dude. And it's so funny how women think completely different from guys. It's uh-huh. like he, I was not at all attracted to the dude I mean he was mm-hmm. not attractive mm-hmm. at all but I he was nice yeah and so I was like okay you're cool or whatever and so he asked me for my number this is my fault I gave it to him because oh. woohoo! I got my own phone number I can <laughs> give it out cause my mama wasn't <laughs> my number out and so ah, 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 that's and funny so <laughs> I gave this dude my phone oh, number oh no i um, thinking, oh, you know, we could just hang out or whatever. Oh, no. And it just, <laughs> it did turn out well because he thought that I was interested in him. And it's funny because I, you know, I hung out with him a couple times, <laughs> and there's this one time I remember, he was like, he's like a little bit like on the chunky side, uh-huh, you know? Yeah. And... And so I'm like sitting in my dorm. I might have even been talking to another dude. I think I was. And I was on because 'cause I'm like I wasn't looking at him like that. He was in the friend zone completely. <laughs> and he gets up randomly and just gets on the floor for our tiny little dorm and starts doing freaking push ups. <laughs> like <gasps> what <is he> doing? <laughs>
0: Like, what are you doing? Um,
1: but yeah, he would be by definition of you remember TLC scrubs, no scrubs. Right. I track <laughs> scrubs. Oh my scrubs. god, that's too funny! <laughs>
0: oh my god! All right, Kim, what you got? So mine was also from college, and it's sort of in the same vein of who are who are you attracting? So, when I first got to college, you know, some of the, you know, women there would be like, okay, here's the good fraternities to go to, and make sure you avoid these fraternities. And um there was one fraternity, I don't even remember what it was now, and somebody was like, whatever you do, do not go there. They are scary and awful, blah, 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 blah. So, I was, at the time, I was a theater major, and I met this guy, and he was really nice. And he, um called me up on the on the dorm phone. It was a shared phone because I grew up in the 1800s. And, um, uh, <laughs> and so he calls me and he's chatting. He's like, oh, man, you know, I, I like you and be fun to hang out. I'm like, oh, awesome. That would be great, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, and I'm going to call the fraternity XYZ. He's like, oh, I'm going to a dance. I wanted to see if you'd like to go. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. And he goes, "Oh yeah, XYZ is having a formal." And I go, "No!" And I <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god. Wow, I avoided a bad situation. I didn't think about it until many years later about, wow, what a what a horrible move." <laughs> No! How rude was I? No! And I didn't just say no. It was like it was like one of those phones with the cradles, like with the severe hand. No! Yeah. And went, no! Bam! And I like, it was like, <laughs> oh, my God. Well, wow. the poor guy wouldn't even, you know, make eye contact with me from then on out. And then I found out XYZ was actually one of the best fraternities, and somebody had given me bad information. So there was that. Oh, so,
1: wow. Yeah. That's
0: so... Yeah. yeah, so I don't want That's no scrubs, great. but do your research before you
1: assume <laughs> <there's a scrub. laughs> <That's> hilarious. <laughs>
0: I love talking about your intended audience.
1: Yes, I do, too. I do, too, because it's, I mean, it's essential. You have to have an audience if you're going to write a book.
0: Exactly. So. Exactly. It, it kind of goes back to um, what we've talked about before is um, when you're writing a book, it really is like having a business. You have to have a plan, and part mm-hmm. of that plan includes, well, who's who's my client? Who's my customer? Um, who's my reader going to be? And, and um,
1: it, it's I I was just going to say it's kind of going to to tag along with what you're saying is your intention needs to be very clear from the beginning on, are you writing this book for you or are you writing it to make money? Because if you are writing it to make money, then you have to write, you have to be willing to be flexible and make pivots to your story if you need to, to be able to fit the audience that you're writing to. Um, You can't be rigid in this process.
0: Most definitely. I I think that's extremely important. And like we learned from Sky Warren, sometimes your audience will give you that feedback and surprise you. And Mm -hmm. you may, um, you know, be willing to make adjustments. You know, if, if you've got that, like we were talking about that group of raving fans who are like, oh, my God, I love everything that Nikita writes. You know, you want to appeal to them and have them feel like, oh, she's she's listening to me. Because she's responding and I see, you know, she's uh, changing her approach. Um, Yeah. And having said that, again, um, just going into it and saying, oh, I want my book to appeal to anyone. I want anyone to be able to pick up and read it. Sounds good, but it's really not a good strategy. Because when you try to appeal to everyone, really, you end up appealing to no one.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Um, Exactly.
0: Yeah. So it's important to, Uh to have that in mind. I like to think, too, if you're writing for your ideal reader, yes, you're you're aiming your book at them. But that doesn't mean that other people other than that ideal reader will pick up and perhaps enjoy your book as well. That's true. That's Um, very true. You're not you're not shutting the door to them. You know, you're you're just (laughs) this is my uh, core audience. This is my raving fan. I'm writing for them. But um, if you have some outliers, like say you identify your audience, you know, I'm appealing to mostly women, that doesn't mean men aren't allowed to read it. They can read it too. Right.
1: Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So yeah. Um and I would have to stress, you know, research, research, research. Yes. It's it's a piece it's a piece of the process that I think a lot of writers More likely than not, unless you're a career writer, Mm -hmm. don't. it's really easy to leave that piece out of the process because it seems like it's arduous and tedious. But it it is the best way to identify and really – and honestly, if you really get into it and you're really into your project and you're excited about what you're doing, it can be a little fun to kind of look there and see what everybody else is doing in your lane. You want to know what other people are doing. You want to make sure – that you're playing, you know, and see who's playing in your sandbox and see how well, how people are responding to things. What By looking at other authors that are due in the same lane as you or in similar lanes as you, and then looking at what how their books are performing and looking at their reviews and what people are saying, you get a, it's like a free pass to see what how people are going to respond to what you're putting out there.
0: Right. I love that. I think that is so important. And What you were talking about, going out there and seeing, you know, um, in the uh, Amazon, um, where it breaks it out and shows, you know, what Mm -hmm. genres your authors in your um, similar genre are writing um, in, whether they're self-published or not. You know, having that research and doing that, gosh, it's it's invaluable. It kind of reminds me of before you cook a meal, you should have all the ingredients before you get started. It's the same kind of thing. It may seem like a lot of work, but really... You're going to need all that info anyway, so why not just have it done ahead of time?
1: Absolutely. So. Absolutely.
0: Ah, oh, fantastic. And I would encourage y'all, you know, you know, don't be intimidated, jump in. You you can do this. If you have any questions about it, please feel free and reach out to uh, me or Nikita. You can put comments yeah. in the in the um, uh, podcast um, comments or um, reach out to us. But Facebook. gosh, I love this. Yes. Our Facebook page and our webpage sociablescribes.com. And um, we yeah. love hearing from you guys. And thank you so much we for do. all your support. So yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome. Another thank great show, Nikita. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yay. All right. Until next time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Sociable Scribes podcast. Don't forget to tune in next week to learn more amazing tips on writing and publishing.
1: And if you like this
0: podcast, please leave us a review
1: and share it with a friend.